This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning, you're listening to The Property Show on The Morning Run, and I'm Philip C. Now joining me on today's show is Chan Ai Cheng, President of MIEA, the Malaysian Institute of Estate Agents. A very good morning to you, Ai Cheng. Plenty to talk about budget 2023, but since then, over the weekend, the spectre of G15 has come to light as Parliament has dissolved. So we've had to kind of change our tact and discussion about, you know, how the property sector was going to be impacted by budget 2023. But got us thinking, right, Ai Cheng, about how property markets have evolved with respect to elections. Okay, hi, hi, Philip. Uh, thanks for having me this morning. Uh, yeah, I think uh, we were all, I mean, we were all expecting the GE15 elections to be announced. It's only that uh, it, it came uh, just over the weekend on the Monday of the October 10th. Um, when I look at property sector, I think property being one of the basic human needs um, and also very strong play among Asian families and even Malaysia, that everyone wants a roof over their heads. And home ownership is very strong in Malaysia. And that's why the government also puts a lot of effort into ensuring affordable housing is, is there for the people, the rakyat's needs are taken care of. Uh, however, I think over the last few years, I've noticed that other issues and other matters uh, have, you know, have overtaken property in, in terms of in importance in the eyes of the government when they're looking at both the budget or, or even for the manifesto for the, the elections. So I, I feel that property may be not as big a player uh, as in the past, uh, but definitely still one of, you know, the, the forefronts uh, when it comes to an election manifesto. Yeah, so I'm sure like affordable housing, you know, providing shelter over someone's head, very emotive issues, surely will bring people to the polls. But, and I guess for Malaysia especially, since we have seen changes of government, we have seen changes of government, and it's been very evident in my view that policies of uh, property markets haven't really changed with government, isn't it? Particularly with Malaysia, perhaps it's more clear-cut in developed markets, but in Malaysia we're not yet there where policy with respect to property separates the different political coalitions and alliances here in Malaysia, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're pretty much aligned. I think uh, over the years, we've seen very stable policies with regards to the, the sector, I would say. Mm. And, you, and it's very interesting also, as you said just now, that uh, in, as we come into this election, uh, there are other bigger issues in the forefront. Cost of living is, of course, mm. featured very significantly in the feature, right? Especially food, fuel subsidies, it's all very much a big issue. The economy, but that also kind of is intrinsically linked to property, isn't it? When you think about these issues, like the cost of living, increasing cost of materials for property prices, or how the economic demand reflects property. So do you think property is kind of a bellwether of economic prosperity, but it's something that the government really doesn't have much levers to play since it's very much in predominantly in the domain of the private market and private sector? Yeah, because property is a bigger ticket item. So it's not something that um, an individual can decide today or, you know, it, it requires planning. It requires uh, having a long-term, uh, you know, plan towards it. So when you look at it that way, then yes, uh, property definitely um, is it, not immediate. 
like um, if let's say food gone up today, then food prices went up today or fuel subsidies reduced, we feel the impact immediately. Yes. Right. But when it comes to property, it's a bit of a longer term. Lah. So it, it's a, a more of a long haul. I think what you're saying is that property markets really require structural interventions. Yes, they yes. don't necessarily have immediate results. Although I think what we did see, you know, throughout the pandemic, there were campaigns like home ownership campaigns and such, right? Yeah. That try to kind of stimulate demand. But if you really want to address the property market, it is structural in nature, isn't it? I think the government is more involved in the affordable housing sector. I don't think they, they should be responsible for all sectors on the market. I yeah. think that is uh, you have to leave that to open market. Because the affordable housing is to make sure that the, the Rakyat Malaysia that is uh, on the B40 segment, they get to own a home. And hopefully from owning a home, they have stability. And hopefully in future when their property increases in price, they're able to unlock some cash there mm. and also, you know, or, or refinance their property, get out some money and reinvest. Yeah. I think that, that is the hope of the government. I don't think they are there to, you know, to so-called incentivize the entire market to, yes. to you know, to force it to move or to boost it for the matter. So I think the government in a way have uh, channeled their funding if you look at the budget 23, they're into the first time home buyers market. Lah. So I think that is always the focus of the government. I guess it's not surprising, isn't it? Because when you, when you hear the budget, it really did lack any goodies for the housing and property market. Of course, I think all of us in the property sector, we've been, we've been hoping for, I mean, from the last budget to this budget for more exciting, you know, incentives to, to move the sector. Uh, we all felt that the, the last two years was difficult for the real estate sector. I think, uh, of course, uh, not the whole, that, that would be a very generic statement, but there were certain segments of the market that did really well. Yep. But I'm just saying on a generic whole that it took a bit of a beating. La. So when, when we are hoping that the, when the government to incentivize the sector, that it would stimulate more activity. Because when, when property transaction takes place, there are so many uh, spillover effects on so many many different industries mm. once a transaction takes place. I mean, for instance, if a if somebody purchases a property in the secondary market, the seller unlocks cash. The buyer purchases a property. He takes a loan and then he renovates his house. He gets the lawyers involved in doing the agreements. You know, then, then there's renovation guys. And then there's so many other spillover things that happen as a result of one transaction. And of course, stamp duties involved as well. The government collects stamp duties and things like that. So we were hoping that with the creation of more activity in the property market, there will be more spillover benefits to the other sectors and therefore uh, indirectly stimulate you know the um, the market as a whole uh, for yeah. the real estate sector so that's why we were hoping that the government would look more at the secondary market and you know more coordinated actually when we look at what is already in place I mean let, let's look at it the stamp duty exemption is already in place the first 500,000 uh, properties below 500,000 is already exempted from stamp duty and um, I think our PM announced earlier that from 500,000 to a million it was there was a 50% discount yeah. Yeah. So at the budget 2023, which was tabled on Friday, they increased that 50% to 75%. So there's an additional 25%. But just a couple of months ago, it was 50. So now it's 70. I mean, it's proposed to be at 75. So, so stamp duty is there. There was no talk about RPGT. So RPGT remains as it is in the sixth year is zero. And uh, we always thought that loans was another very important part of uh, property purchase. So what we wanted, we were hoping uh, with MIEA under our budget proposal was that a coordinated effort, putting all these incentives together into a program and running that program, uh, we, what we were hoping would 
something be like a home ownership campaign for secondary property, um, or you know, we could term it something else. But that kind of concept to spur the uh, the secondary sector. So your argument is the sum of all its parts will be greater, right, than the sum itself. Yes. I think that's one of your that's your argument. But the government is in a very tight fiscal position. Yes. It is, you know, I think we all talk about how they really have to kind of rein in spending. How do you kind of tell the government that there's all these multiply effects when you have this package in place, right? Is it the problem that the government cannot see the multiple multiplier effect? Is that the problem we have here? I, I don't feel that that would be their immediate requirement because they, they, are, they are more concerned on addressing the affordable housing mm-hmm. to ensure that the first-time home buyers get to buy the property rather than to, to help the entire market, but they were just helping a certain segment of the market more predominantly. So I, I believe that's the reason why it, it didn't open up that stamp duty exemption to beyond first-time home buyers, although we felt that it would have been uh, a bigger impact if they did. So, I mean, this is the point, right? Do you think the multiplier effects have a longer time horizon and because the issue is that the government has to contend and address the shorter term issues, the immediate problems here, that's why they kind of couldn't afford to look at it holistically because although there was that benefit, that spillover, right, it's just not going to be immediate in 2023 but more in 24, 25. Is that one, I think, one of the biggest concerns? And sometimes all the disappointments you get with this budget that it cannot deliver, that's simply because, you know, the time horizon that the government is thinking about is a bit more shorter in nature then. Yeah, I, 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 we also felt that um, because we, we always believe that the stimulation of the property market, of course, there's two broad sectors, of course, the, the, the primary market and the secondary market. But we always thought that if the secondary market was a strong secondary market, that it would indirectly push the primary market activity as well. Because if everyone knew that whatever new projects they buy, when it's completed, it grows it goes up by X amount, then why wouldn't everybody buy a, a new project now? Three years later, benefit from the gain. But if the secondary market is not strong, then why would I buy a property in the primary market when it, when it ain't going to go up, you know, by the time it's completed? You know, but, that kind of... Uh... But Aijun, we've had this conversation so many times, right? It feels like the secondary market is like a stepchild. It really feels like a stepchild, isn't it? In the whole <laughs> way of how government thinks about this market, they don't really think of the secondary market as very important or crucial. Is that fair? Yeah, uh, maybe because they felt that, okay, you already, you already purchased. So now it's your personal decision to sell it or to buy or to, you know, to do whatever you want with that property. So I think any stimulation on that side may seem like less of a significance than uh, the first time you purchase the property off the developer. Mm. And of course, purchasing property from a developer, of course, developers still provide a lot of downstream uh, industries that benefit from a project. So I think the government looks at that aspect as well. So let's just talk about the initiatives from Budget 2023. Although, caveat emptor, right? Uh, with the election looming, yeah. we're not sure how substantive this budget is going to be or how material this budget is going to be in terms of uh, it really impacting policy or whether it will be implemented in the first place. But one key measure, as you were mentioning just now, was stamp duty exemption, right? Will be increased from 50% to 70%, 75% effective until 31st December for property transfer documents and loan agreements for four homes valued between half a million to one million ringgit. It won't have any impact? No, no, definitely there'll be an impact. Uh, the question is, it is for first-time home buyers. So when you look at a first-time home buyer, right, you you are expecting that person to purchase his very first property, which means he's a fairly young person and uh, probably entering to the market for the first time. So they're probably purchasing a property that is within, like maybe like what they have anticipated would be a five hundred thousand, right? So I think a first-time home buyer will not be purchasing a property up to a million. I- so I get your point. I get your point, right? It doesn't make it doesn't really 
the addressable market is very small because the first home time buyer is unlikely to buy a property more than half a million. Yeah. Unless you're in KL. So, yeah. So if it was opened up to others, as in all properties transacted, um, you know, whether it's first time or second time home buyers and all that, then it would be a great impact. All right. The second initiative I wanted to ask you, and I'm very excited about this personally, uh, with respect to real estate transfers between families, such as from husband and wife, it's been expanded, right? Tell me a bit about this whole new expanded real estate transfers between families because now they'll only be subject to stamp duties at the flat rate of RM20, 10 ringgits. And Mrs. C, I hope you're listening to this conversation. <laughs> yeah, 10, I think um, it's, it's a really good move by the government. It shows they're focusing on the family unit which will be definitely a very welcome move by the Malaysian citizens. I uh, I feel that, rightly said by our MOF as well, Minister of Finance, he said that the the, the gift of love is not less, right? <laughs> Any less between spouse and between uh, parents and child or grandfather and grandchildren. Um, so I feel that this is definitely something very welcome, very in line with our government's policy of family being very important part of our uh, society. So the next question I was wondering, what about siblings? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think I don't disagree with that as well for me on a personal level. Yeah, I think um, uh, perhaps they should consider a uh, transfer should, between brothers and sisters, uh, sisters and sisters and like that. I mean, they're all family. So if the expansion was going to father and child, grandfather and grandchildren, I think siblings should also fall under that category. I do not disagree with that. I Cheng, we have more to discuss on Budget 2023 and also GE15 and how it's going to affect the property markets. We're going to take a short break and come back for some more discussion on how GE15 and Budget 2023 will impact the property sector. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're tuned into The Property Show on The Morning Run. I'm Philip C. And with me today is Chan Ai Cheng from the Malaysian Institute of Estate Agents as we discuss how the property market is going to be affected by Budget 2023 and GE15. Ai Cheng, we were just talking earlier in the conversation about some of the initiatives in Budget 2023 and how maybe some of these initiatives won't be taking, play, <laughs> taking place because of GE15. But if you just deep dive into Budget 2023 and you said just now, right, a huge focus is on affordable housing. A lot of it is mm. on rural housing. And that was very evident in Budget 2023, isn't it? There were a lot of initiatives about, you know, building more rural housing, building more affordable housing. Yeah, I think there was a new allocation of about 460 million for yes. um, housing in East Malaysia, especially. Yes, we said, right, there was this allocation for the construction of new rural houses and renovation of rural houses increased from 361 million ringgit to 416 million ringgit, right? And particularly in East Malaysia, the ceiling rate for new houses was raised from 68,000 to 79,000 ringgit, right, in Sabah and Sarawak. Do you think this is enough? Well, I, I feel that every move is a welcome move. I, it, it's, a, it's a step in the right direction when you're looking at constructing uh, homes uh, for people. I feel that is um, because property is a basic human need. Yeah. Mm. So when, when a government moves in any uh, budget allocated for purposes of building homes, especially in the rural areas in, in uh, Sabah and Sarawak, it's definitely a welcome move. Some may say that it's uh, overdue. <laughs> some may say that more can be yes. done. But I feel that at least something is being done. So yeah. I think that that is a step forward. In, in their vision something is being done for sure and but I think one cannot dispute the fact that you know we are in a country that's seeing increasingly urbanization trend taking place and so hence this allocation right for about 367 million ringgit for all sorts of PPRs uh, program perumahan rakyat mm. right, across all the different parts of Malaysia but what those urban centers like KL PJ Slangor Penang JB right surely there are urban challenges there as well right urban housing challenges are taking what 
is there available for the, the likes of KL, Slangor, Penang, JB? Do you think it's things like the Ruma Mestra Rakyat program where they were talking about 4,000 construct, for construction of 4,000 housing units, right? Do you think that will try and cover these uh, urban locations? Perhaps uh, because there, there were many of these affordable housing initiatives. I think there were the Ruma Wave, the Ruma Slangoku, there is the mm. Prima Housing, there is, uh, you know, this, this, this PPR and all that. So there, I think there are many, many different initiatives, um, so much so that sometimes we, we need to really study each of them to see how effective they all have been uh, individually versus having a centralized, you know, program for the entire nation where it's easier to monitor. Um, so perhaps this Ruma Masri allocation, uh, you mentioned the 4,000 over units could be identified for the urban areas. But when the, the other allocation of the earlier allocation was saying about the 367 million or something, is specifically uh, indicating um, Marang and Arau. Yeah. Yes. So very interesting points, right, in which you say, look, perhaps it's where the local governments kind of, or the state governments take a leadership role, right, in providing urban housing as opposed to the federal government. But I guess in Budget 2023, there were a lot of other initiatives that may not have, may not specifically shout about the property market, but have a really big impact. So for example, flood mitigation actions, uh, you know, there were a couple of announcements there about trying to put in place, you know, investments to mitigate floods, which will basically help protect properties across the board. Sounds good. Good move. Is it really enough? Uh, I'm actually very happy that uh, they brought this matter up uh, during Budget 2023 because it has affected the the prop, not only the, of course, the lives and the livelihood of people affected by the flood, but it's also affected their property value, you see. So it's a little bit of a double whammy for these people because you already suffered loss you know, in terms of your items in the house, your things, your, you know, some lives as well. So, and then now when you're trying to like, you know, you're trying to maybe perhaps offload the property and, and move elsewhere, you can't get, uh, I mean, the, the pricing would be somewhat, the value would be somewhat affected if it was too soon after such an incident. So I, I feel that um, the, the government allocating specifically for flood this time round in budget 2023 is actually a very good move uh, and very considerate of them. So I believe that over time, it, flood is not an issue that you can resolve, I think, yeah. immediately. So which is why their plan is running over, I think, a couple of years. So I think it's over, I can't recall, was it five or seven year plan that to, they would slowly uh, and surely uh, figure out a way to ensure that floods are being, flood actions are, are being uh, taken in each state to ensure that they do not uh, reoccur la, or not as severe. One of the key things about Budget 2023 was this government guarantee facility through the Sharika Jaminan Credit Perumahan SJKP, right, which will be increased by about 3 billion ringgit. Who will benefit from this? Oh, that one's actually a really good scheme. Uh, when it first introduced last year in Budget 2022, um, to look into the needs of these freelance, uh, you know, people, right? Because nowadays, the, the workforce is very different. Uh, those days we like uh, fixed income salaries and all that. But now the new generation of people, they like freelance work. They like uh, to come up with their own business. They like, you know, they they, they operate slightly differently yeah. from the old way. income and, structure and the, is very different, yeah. right? Which is why the banks, Yeah, the banks just have no, no, no way of how to gauge uh, 
what kind of income these guys have or what kind of stability in terms of repayment uh, possibilities because the bank is always worried that, you know, if their, their income is not fixed, then will they be able to service the loan? So this kind of move uh, by the government to this uh, SJKP, I think is definitely very welcome. And this year itself, uh, many have already... Uh, opted for that and they managed to get loans as a result of that and the government's extending it for another year so that's i think that's a fantastic move and uh to encourage all these gig economy workers these um you know freelance guys uh, a chance uh, to own properties yeah very interesting point that these programs are needed in view of the changing employment structure mm. of our country moving forward but the central concern is that you know we talked a lot about in in an environment where we are seeing increasing interest rates taking place everywhere uh, how do you expect this to impact mortgage payments going forward, right, with rising interest rates? Do you think the government needs to do something here to kind of manage rising debt payments in a responsible manner? When you look at the interest rate today, we have, I mean, the government has raised it three times this year, but little, little bit, uh, 0.25, you know, a little bit, uh, three times. And we have basically only come back to the point of before the pandemic. So our rate today, our interest rate today, and the rate back in March or January 2020 is now coming to the same um, the same levels. So it's actually still very low. If you ask me, interest rate in Malaysia is still super low mm. and makes borrowing costs very, uh, um, very affordable. Uh, well, I feel that the government has risen, has adjusted the interest rate very well in a way. They have uh, increased it a little bit at a time mm. to ensure that the impact is not too severe or not too heavy on the uh, borrowers, yeah. So, but of course, um, I think they are under pressure also because it, because of the rising inflation, because of US increasing the interest rates, and there's so many other factors. So, it's it's uh, in a way the government has no choice but to adjust the the interest rates. Aichen, we have to have you here in about three months to basically assess whether a new government is going to affect the property markets <laughs> in 2023. But that's all the time we have for today's property show. Again, thank you so much for being on the show, Aichen. I'm Philip C. signing off for the morning run. We have the 10 a.m. news bulletin followed up by Enterprise. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.